number one, obviously, all glory to God. And then there's the campus, the most efficient organization on the planet. I mean, I'm going to put a plug in because I think we're in the damn state of Iowa. Bobby Telford, I'm the baddest man on the planet. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. Did you like that new intro? Uh, made it myself, not entirely myself, but uh, you know, took the old intro and, and laid some sound over it, and we're just gonna kind of roll with it. See, uh, see how it floats for for a few episodes here. Maybe we'll tweak it as the season goes. Maybe we'll keep it as it is. Um, I don't know. If you like it, let me know. If you don't, um, I guess also let me know and and tell me what I can do better. Um, I'm Cody Goodwin, the Registers Wrestling Writer, and I'm glad you're here. Happy Wednesday, episode number 149 of the show. Got a fun one for you guys today. Kind of a supplement for a story um, that is currently live on DesMoinesRegister.com. This is a story I've been angling to write for a while Um, And this week seemed as good a time as any. It's a different kind of wrestling story. It's actually a story about wrestling media, specifically about Sean Kenny. For those who don't know, Sean Kenny is an Iowa native, sports director for the Raccoon Valley Radio Network, which is based in Perry. He's also one of wrestling's top play-by-play voices. He has been on the call for ESPN, the ACC Network, as well as United World Wrestling. He has called the NCAA Championships, the ACC Championships, high-profile ACC and Big 12 duels, as well as the European Championships, Asian Championships, the UWW Freestyle World Cup, various Olympic qualifiers, and this week, the senior World Championships in Belgrade, Serbia. He can be heard on UWW's live stream if you live outside the United States or on Flow Wrestling if you live in the United States. He has seen some of wrestling's biggest moments up close. He has watched many of the best collegiate wrestlers win national titles and has called many of the NCAA tournament's top moments. He has watched some of USA Wrestling's top competitors win on the world's biggest stages. And after each event, he comes back home to Perry, Iowa, where he still makes it a point to help call high school football, basketball, and wrestling events for KDLS, Perry's local radio station. This week, Kenny is in Serbia for the World Championships, where the United States is expected to have another spectacular showing. Uh, The Greco-Roman portion of the tournament is already over, and women's freestyle continues in full today, Wednesday, while the men's freestyle begins on Thursday and runs through the weekend. Uh, Sean Kenny will be on the call, yet another wild instance where there's always an Iowa tie. Am I right, guys? Before Sean left for Serbia, he made some time for me. Um, For this story that we wrote, again, it's live online today. You can go find it in the show notes. We talked about his broadcasting background, how he got into wrestling play-by-play, how he got connected with gigs at ESPN and UWW, and what it's like balancing TV duties and radio duties and getting the opportunity to see some of wrestling's biggest moments. It is a lengthy conversation, but is one I think you guys are going to enjoy. Um, Hit record late while I was talking to Sean, so we actually pick up the conversation talking about him working with UWW and how he got linked up with that gig. I will let Sean take it from here. Enjoy. So that's through NBC and and United World Wrestling. So this came about probably three or four years ago at the ACC Wrestling Championship. I do all the ACC Friday night duels and then the championships every year. They brought in Tim Foley to be the analyst. Have you heard of Tim? At yeah. All? Yeah. So that, that first year, Tim had heard some of my work, uh, liked what I did. And he was kind of 
becoming a, a pretty important person at UWW. And he, he suggested, he says, do you know a lot about international wrestling? And I said, I kind of laughed. I said, actually, Greco, I'm one of the few Greco fans, I think, out there in the United States. I love Greco-Roman wrestling. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I don't follow it like I do folk style, but, you know, I, I, I keep an eye on it. Uh, he says, well, we're really trying to beef up our coverage. Would you mind doing a few events for us? You know, again, it starts with one event. And then they have all these different people around the world listening. And the feedback after the first event was really good. And it just it just took off from there. So every year it's the European Championships, the Asians, the World Championships, the World Cup, uh, and then the Olympic qualifiers. So it's it's usually about three or four, you know, depending on the year that I'm able to, to get overseas and do that. And so it was Tim Foley. That, that that that's how I got in that world. And then with Eric Olanowski now taking over Tim's job, I was familiar with Eric throughout the years, whether it was on ESPN stuff or, or at nationals. So I've always known Eric, he's been a friend and yeah, we just kind of kept it rolling through that. So the upcoming world championships, um, you know, start this coming weekend will run all next week in Belgrade. I, how what number of world championships is gonna, this going to be for you? So this would be my uh, eighteen nineteen. This would be my third world championship. So you've really gotten like a front row seat to some of the best American freestyle. I know freestyle wrestling, maybe not so much Greco, but like men's and women's freestyle wrestling oh. that we've seen in quite some time. Yeah, I, I've. It's been incredible and fun. I mean, when you do these broadcasts, you have to, you, you can't just be a homer for the United States. You got to do the homework on everybody. And when you get, you know, like Taylor and Yazdani colliding, you got to call it smack dab down the middle. And, um, but to watch what the United States has done in both of those styles and to be able to call the action and give the athletes the attention that they deserve for all of the work that they put in. I, that's the part I really enjoy um, because you're right. What the United States has done over the last five or six years on the international side and the strides they've made, it, it's been incredible. And so much of that's tied, you know, with the colleges now buying in to the international wrestling. You, you know, you see these, the RTOs popping up all over the RTC training centers, and that's become a part of college wrestling. That's a recruiting tool that these coaches use now. Is that so when you're sitting in like the UWW booth and, you know, the U.S. is kicking butt, is that hard for you to like, you know, have to like not cheer a little bit? Because like I admittedly when I'm sitting here watching them from home, like obviously, you know, I write for the register. I, I, I have to be this unbiased journalist, but, you know, fist pump a little bit when the red, white and blue wins the big matches. Right. Absolutely. I, I mean, people do laugh at me because I come across pretty calm, they say on the air, but I am a, I'll stand up, you know, when when Snyder got pinned by Sajulayev on that fluke deal, oh. you know, I, I was describing it with my head down. You know, I just Sajulayev gets the fall. <laughs> You're shaking your head. So if there was a camera on me, it'd be like, yep, I, I can't keep it up, you know, and you know, Jaden Cox is a is a colleague. I work with him at Nationals, so watching him wrestle next week is going to be yeah, it's impossible to keep out your 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 personal bias just because of the relationships and you know so many of their backstories. Uh, but I will say, when you research and dig into some of these athletes, 
you become fans just because of what they've persevered across the world. I mean, it's that that's the beauty of sports, no matter where they come from, the respect that those guys and, and, and women have on the mat. You throw out the politics, you throw out the history, you throw out all of that other stuff that kind of distracts us in today's culture. And you tell the stories of each individual one on one. There, there's so many people to get behind. And that's why I love this sport. Yeah. Well, and that has to be one of the really cool perks of your position, right? To to be able to, I mean, a, a lot of us are going to sit and watch, you know, the US and that that's going to be our hyper focus, at least those of us here back home. But, um, you know, you get the opportunity to kind of really learn about some of these international athletes. And we know of the superstars like, um, you know, Japan has had some really good men's freestyle wrestlers come through. You mentioned Yazdani. Um, you know, I think we're all a little curious about um, the Russian team whenever they're able to send, you know, I know that they won't be there this year, but um, like it, how, how cool is that to, you know, not only know these tremendous American stories, but also all these international wrestlers that have equally as compelling stories. Like that's just got to make it so much cooler. It, it does. And that's the part I really enjoy. Um, unfortunately, getting information is not as easy here in the stage. You have a lot of different barriers to go through, no matter if you're dealing with Iran or if you're dealing with Russia, India can be difficult, but there's always usually um, ambassadors with language differences that I can go to the day before and, and really sit down and find some of their stories. And you're right. I mean, look at Kyrgyzstan's women. Not too many people know the story of Tanya Betkova and, and, and what she's went through and what she means to that country when she came back you know, with a world championship and the greeting that she got. And then when she failed, and I say failed loosely, she when she did not win gold at the Olympics, you know, she went into this depression. And what brought her out of it was the support of all the young women in that country on social media, just showing her that, hey, you're our hero. And, and, and that's the, you know, wrestling kind of gets lost sometimes here in the United States because we have so much. But in some of these countries, that is what they rely on. That That is their star. I mean, Iran, this is their sport. So these, these athletes walk around like celebrities in their country, and that's how they get treated. And then to hear some of the obstacles that they overcome to get to this level, those are the stories that I love to tell. And that that's my role. I, you know, so many play-by-play people want to be the star. They want to be the show. I, I, I've never been that. My job is to make sure everybody knows these athletes that are competing and they can pick and choose who they want to root for, who they want to cheer for. And I just want to be accurate in my delivery of the action and their backstories. You call a lot of different sports. Um, I know you were in Ames last Saturday for college football. You do some, um, I know ACC track and field stuff. I've seen, I think I've seen some pictures of, Um, but when it comes to wrestling, like what's, what's your background there? How did you get into the sport? Did you grow up wrestling? What's, what's the backstory there? Yeah, I had, I, uh, it counts to bless St. Albert. We, I had two brothers who wrestled. I was more of a football player. So that was my main sport. I was not a good wrestler by no means, but I had a lot of friends who were. And then as we went to Iowa, you know, I got close to some of the wrestlers there just in the weight room. But again, I never wrestled on, on, on that level. And, but I've always had a respect for the sport. And I've always thought it is one of the, if not most disciplined sports that there is for both the mental aspect and the physical aspect. And as I was getting older, kind of developing my career, I thought 
why not bring a professionalism to play-by-play -play for the sport of wrestling? Because I didn't think the sport had that at the time. And, and so I made it a point to really study it. I, I, I can't tell you how many hours of film that I've watched on wrestling, different techniques, styles, things like that, uh, to really learn the sport and, and to be able to deliver an accurate picture for the audience. So, yeah, it was definitely around the sport, but uh, it was not something that I I did on a competitive basis. I goof off and, you know, in, in the intramural room and things like that, but never competed. As you're kind of studying the sport and, and watching film, who do who do you go to when you have questions? Uh, yeah, it, it, that's a good question. Throughout the years, Jim would always be one that I would start with. Uh, his knowledge of the sport, his ability to communicate it and break it down it, is incredible. I, you know, the thing I appreciate about Jim is you can be watching it with somebody who doesn't know wrestling. And the way sometimes he describes it, they can follow along. And that that's tricky in this sport. So Jim would be one. Tim Johnson, you know, he I grew up watching Jim and Tim on Iowa public television when I was a kid doing the state tournament here in Iowa. You know, so TJ and Jim were these were these wrestling icons uh, in the state. So then when you get to meet them and see that they're so humble and they're so giving and they want to be ambassadors for the sport. You know, I just latched on to those two uh a lot. And, and, you know, more recently, uh, Rock Harrison has been a, a great, how would I describe this? He, he came along with, with, with hardly any broadcast experience. And, and we met him, we started working at the ACC championships and his passion for the sport and the way he delivers it on the air is, is fun. Um, you know, and people always laugh because Rock is into it. He's jumping all over. He's doing the moves. And and, and I'm just kind of that, you know, the flat line that's, you know, I'll, I'll get excited for the moment, but I just kind of steady the ship and Rock is all over. And the guy's become a hit. I mean, people love his enthusiasm and, and his knowledge of the sport. Uh, so Rock is a guy that I turn to a lot now with Jim, uh, especially when we get – to nationals because that's our crew and the gym comes over from the big 10 and, and obviously rocks now a part of it. Uh, we've had Jaden Cox last year. I thought Jaden was very good on the air. Uh, Shane Sparks is always a fun one to bounce ideas off of. Uh, and the funny thing with Shane is we worked a couple of football games where he was doing some sideline reporting. So Jason Bryant would have fun saying, Hey, this is a great broadcast. We got two wrestlers doing it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. As a as you learn more about the, the sport of wrestling and you start working alongside guys like Rock, like Shane, Jim, Jaden, um, how do you learn to find because like play by play is an art, right? And I, I think people who have never done it think it's very easy to just throw the mic on, get in front of a TV, watch wrestling and, and make it happen. How do you how do you find the balance to make sure that you know, that you're getting what you're, you're saying, what you need to say, people are, are able to follow the action. And then also, you know, the, the color guy is able to kind of, you know, add their expertise to, to the broadcast. Like what, what is, what is, what is that like when you're in the moment or do you even think about it at this point? You know, at this point, there's just a certain flow. So you don't think about it all that much, you know, you know, the rhythm during the course of a, of a match or a football game, whatever the case might be, because you're building, 
you're building that relationship with whoever you're sharing the booth with. And in the sport of wrestling, my perspective as the play-by-play guy is the audience wants to hear what Jim has to say. The audience wants to hear what Rock and, and Jaden. I I don't want to be this. I understand my role. I, I, I think is, to be honest, this is really what I think has helped me in this industry is I understand my role is to set the facts, set the story, give the background. The play-by-play will happen in wrestling, but when there is a certain sequence of events or a certain exchange of moves, I'm out. I, I want the experts to break down what happened. I want Jim and Rock to foreshadow what's going to be coming, what to look for. So you have to have discipline as a play-by-play person in the fact that it sounds odd, you don't talk as much. And, and the people that don't, I think the audience notices because it's more of a conversation. You're not fighting for airtime. You're letting the sport breathe, which is huge. When you're doing it on TV, you know, a wrestling expert like you, you don't need me telling you that's a double leg that it just turned into a cradle. You're seeing it. You want to hear why that move worked. How did he get to it? Why is, why is he continue to get to the legs? Why don't they shut that off? That's what the analyst can do. So as a play-by-play guy, I've learned to know my boundaries, set them, and then let the analysts do their thing. And I've been blessed to work with, with really good analysts. <clears throat> all of this wrestling play-by-play, all the opportunities that have kind of opened up for you, was this what you had in mind when you um, you know, were growing up and wanted to get into sports broadcasting? Or what, what was that journey like? Yeah, you know, this is something I knew I wanted to do. My parents always laughed since I was in first grade because I would annoy them by broadcasting a board game of baseball with the, with the old tops cards and the spinorama. I, I would broadcast that with the Nerf hoops in my bedroom. I would play a game with just myself and I would broadcast. Kenny passes over to God, went back to Kenny just with myself with a Nerf hoop. Uh, I would listen to, to games all the time. Radio was very big growing up in my family in Council Bluffs. Um, I, I just remember on the, the porch listening to ball games with my dad. And, you know, he was a railroad person, worked a lot of hours, but he always had the radio on and he always had sports on. So that was my, that was my influence. And I knew from an early age that I wanted to, to go into sports. Now, as I got older, Pete Taylor uh, was always an icon to me. I, I absolutely loved listening to his emotion, calling a game for Iowa State, um, you know, he was a broadcaster that didn't use a lot of flashy words. He was I always called him the, the common man's broadcaster. Everybody could relate to Pete. And he didn't have to use fancy words to know that things weren't going well for Iowa State. You could tell by the tone of his voice or, you know, things like that that I always I always appreciated. So, uh, yeah, I, I knew I wanted sportscasting. You know, I've always envisioned one day possibly, you know, being the voice of of a university here in this state uh, and then the television just kind of popped in and and that's where I put all my focus once once that opened up and I'm I'm very fortunate the radio group here in Perry as I mentioned I'm very loyal so I I've never had any intention of leaving this place because they've they've helped me out so much so if I can help them do high school games when I'm back in town I love doing that especially here for Perry absolutely you is that where you landed after you graduated from Iowa 
It is. Yep. So grew up in Council Bluffs and, and this was my pretty much first job out of out of college was was this radio station. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you would talk about a radio station in Iowa to anybody outside the state, this would be it because we have nothing. I'm looking at cornfields all around us here on Highway 141. <laughs> three big towers. <laughs> I love that. That's really awesome. Um <laughs> what have you found to be um, you know, like the differences between like radio play-by-play and TV play-by-play, like what are, what have been the biggest differences in, in approaching both of those? Because they're different, right? Totally different. And and that was my toughest adjustment. To, to be honest, doing a college football game is easier than doing a high school football game in, in some ways. You get the whole feel that you can see so many times at a high school press box, you're on the top of the press box, you're in the end zone, you're in the bleachers with the fans. I always thought that prepared me. So the higher you went up, the easier the job got. And that certainly has been the case. That's why I always tell when schools ask me to go talk, I always say, kids always ask, well, what's the best thing to to get ready for broadcasting? Go find a local market and do play by play. That, that that's the best thing you can do and take every writing class you can. That, that, that's important. But when you do television, I would always wear a piece of duct tape those first years in 2012 and 13. And the duct tape was just to remind me to shut up, be quiet, because I don't need to describe everything. And, and that took about a year of transition to get used to when you're painting every detail on radio for so many years. And then all of a sudden, now you are on television and everybody's seeing it. So where's what's the play-by-play person's role? And and that took a good year or two to really figure out my rhythm, my groove, and, and what I like to do. But it's it's less talking, it's more storytelling, it's more setting up situations. And again, one of the most overlooked aspects of broadcasting is letting a game breathe. We don't need constant chatter. The audience doesn't want that. And and so it's a different beast from radio. In a regular sports season, football season, winter sports season with wrestling and basketball, how often do you go back and forth between the two? Um, during the fall, during the football season, not as much because it requires me to travel. So I don't get to do as many Friday night football games for Perry. Uh, but like this year, I've already done three games this this year because we had a week zero game and then one and two. And then with being up at Iowa State last weekend, I did the Perry game Friday night and slept in my own bed, drove up to Ames Saturday. That's normally not the case. They'll they'll fly me all over. I mean, I've covered the American ACC Mountain West, uh, the Mac. Uh, I mean, so I'm all over each weekend. So football is a little bit tougher during the basketball season. And wrestling season, there is quite a bit of bouncing back and forth because I typically try to do the Perry games on Tuesday nights, as you know. That's kind of our night, but I'm usually not around on Fridays. So I'll I'll do an early week radio and then I'll do television toward the weekend. I gotcha. How far in advance do you know what your schedule is from you know ESPN or the ACC network or you know, even in this case, UWW? Yeah, so with ESPN. Uh, for football, it's a two-week notice typically uh, because of the TV windows. So you really can't plan accordingly because after the first couple of weeks, you, you just don't know where you're going uh, 
until maybe a week or two before. So it, it's that that's a little bit of a challenge. Um, but that's where the flexibility of the radio station has been so big for me, where I can make last second adjustments to it. Uh, wrestling season, a little bit more predictable because we do every Friday night ACC duel, you know, Friday night duel. So I always know that schedule. The international, I usually know in a year in advance where the event is, what location it is. The, the tough part, Cody, has been I've had to turn down events because they crisscross, you know, because UWW, like you said, is different from ESPN. So when I go over to do these world championships next week, I was asked to do the Iowa State game on the 17th with Ohio. You know, and I, I thank ESPN for being flexible with me, too. And they said, no, you can go do that world championship. So I, I always hate giving up games, but it, it's just that's been my schedule for 10 years. <laughs> run, <laughs> run, run. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I know what this the, your schedule coming up, right? Like it's it's going to be a little bit of that hectic. You know, you go from one sport to the next, you know, and then you're going to be on the other side of the world for for a week. What? What, what does your schedule look like and how do you like how do you balance slash acclimate like there's there's a lot of travel here coming up in your future yeah it's you know just for instance coming up tomorrow I'll, I'll fly out to, to Raleigh and then I'll drive into Greenville North Carolina we have the East Carolina game on Saturday night on ESPN I'll broadcast that game and then Sunday morning I turn around catch a flight from Raleigh to Paris and then Paris to Belgrade so I'm going right from football to wrestling in this case. And that that's fairly normal, not the overseas part, but you know, you get into the busy season where basketball's two, three games a week, baseball, softball, you know, you're bouncing around from location to location before you, before you come home. Uh, it's just the international is a little bit of a different, different twist on this one. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I know during the season two, um, you know, I get, like I say season, you know, the winter months, um, you'll occasionally call a, a big 12 duel. You know, they have their, that streaming deal with ESPN. Um, I think it was, was it Oklahoma state last year that you called yeah. a duel? Um, you know, how I, it, do you strictly do, or, or most, I guess predominantly do ACC stuff or how often do you cross over into the big 12? Um, you know, the big 12 now, I think it is on ESPN. Yeah. The ACC is the, is the main one during the course of the year, but I'd say over the last five years, there's maybe four to five additional duels that ESPNU has added. Uh, recently, it's been the Big 12 now, so Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, you know, that Bedlam's been the one that that we've covered. Uh, I've done some bit, uh, Big Ten, you know, we did Penn State, Arizona State a couple of years ago. One of my most memorable matches, to be honest with you, uh, took place in Ann Arbor with Michigan and Ohio State, and that was yeah. the night Coon knocked off Snyder. And Anthony Robles was where Anthony's another analyst. You know, I don't want to leave him out. He's he's been great to work with, but that's one of my most memorable matches was that night when Coon beat Snyder. I mean, that place went nuts. It was you know Snyder was on top of the world. You know the story, and and Coon got him that one night. Uh, so yeah, it. We're trying to get more of the sport on ESPN, and, and that's where people like Jim and Rock are, are such big ambassadors where, you know, they're they're trying to build the popularity. So when programming starts a season, ESPNU is saying, well, let's add three, four more duels. And every year it's kind of gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. So we're moving in the right direction on that. 
Absolutely. What do you think it'll it it takes to continue to you know build that popularity? Like where where are we at from seeing like a major high profile duel on like ESPN Maine? You know, like how far away are we from that, and what does it take to get there? I, I think we're very close. I think the next hurdle, and we talk about this all the time in our production meetings, is how do we make the sport appealing to people who don't know much about the sport? That that's going to be the next challenge that we're going to try to tackle on the national airwaves and that's also a tricky part when you're doing the ncaa championships or when you're doing the acc championships you have such a broad audience some wrestling fans might wonder well why do they put up the number of let's just say how long a period is how many points a takedown is how many points a revert because we're trying to communicate to the audience and bring in new fans that that's the future of this sport we we the, the passionate fan is always going to be there. You know, they want to watch wrestling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's our job through personal interest stories and explaining the sport to draw in the casual fan that's channel surfing. And then they latch on. And that's where, you know, Jim and Tim and what they've done on the Big Ten Network, Rock's personality. I can tell you down in the southeast, Rock has brought in a lot of new fans to the sport of wrestling just by his demeanor and how he comes across. So that's going to be our challenge. That's what we're continually working to do. And here in the United States, we have the challenge of the difference between freestyle and folk style. I mean, that's so just because you latch on to college wrestling, then you get introduced and hit with a whole new set of rules. If somebody would be watching next week with the international side. So it's tricky, but the momentum is going in the right direction, but we just continue to push for wrestling on the TV sets as many as we can get because that, that that's what brings people in. And the numbers continue to grow on ESPN every year. Um, you know, the NCAA championships, um, you know, really even over the last few years, I know the COVID year was a little tricky. So they, you know, they felt like they could maybe experiment a little bit more, but they, they kept up with that this past year, you know, just offering so much more in terms of streaming and where they could watch the broadcast. Like I I'm with you. I, I they're, they're making, I, th- there are steps being made in the right direction to where I guess, you know, us diehard wrestling fans want to see it. Um, you know, but then also all of us diehard wrestling fans are maybe a little impatient sometimes. So it's like, Hey, like we right. want more and we want it now. Right. Yeah, especially when you're channel surfing and you see some of the things on TV, it's like, where's wrestling? Where, where's the duel tonight? I mean, this would be great theater, good TV. Um, so, yeah, you're right. It's 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 just about trying to keep the momentum going in the right. And and to be honest, ESPN has put wrestling as a priority in, in recent years. We've we've had some really good producers that are that are active in other sports and not a lot of people know wrestling. So these producers are learning the sport on the fly. And and right now, with what the Big Ten Network is doing, with what the ACC Network has done with their Friday night duels, and, and with obviously the attention that the Nationals get. And ESPN's broadcasting all these conference championships. So you can watch the MAC. I know Jason Bryan did that a couple of years ago. You can hop on and 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 watch the some. I mean, there, there's all these conference, the Southern Conference. With this digital world, it's all out there, but the linear still is where you can bring in a lot of people. And um, yeah, it's just the changing, it's a changing world because who would ever thought that more people are watching digitally on their computer than say on your television? I mean, that that's 
that's kind of the industry, the direction it's going, where everything's at your fingertip right now with with Big 12 now, with with a lot of the, the, the digital platforms. Did you foresee that when you decided that you wanted to get into the business and you went through, you know, you went to Iowa and got the, you know, sports journalism, sports broadcasting, no. all that? <laughs> no, I had no, not a clue. I, I was still cutting the reels, like the physical reel to do edit. Digital editing wasn't quite going yet. But I soon, you know, I realized it through Stas Hall, my my producer at ESPN, my very first one that, that has helped me so much that when they were experimenting those early years with navigating all eight mats, they were in the works of, of developing this digital side. And, and to watch wrestling evolve throughout the years from one broadcaster covering all eight to eventually two broadcasters on each mat where you can click on each individual mat. He saw all that coming and, and, you know, it's just evolved to where it is now, which is a, a very good place. That's awesome. That's awesome. Last question I had for you. Um, you watched Iowa state last week. What were your initial impressions of the football team? I, I you know, they look pretty good. I, I was a little bit worried at halftime when they had 20 yards rushing. Uh, but they, I, they wanted to see what Deckers could do, obviously, and he looked incredible. You know, the, the Deckers, the Hutchinson connection was just what we thought it would be. And then they were able to get the ground game going in the second half and, and take over with Jairo Brock and, and that offensive line. So I think Iowa State's going to have a pretty fun year. And it's always, you know, being an Iowan, whenever you get the opportunity to call Iowa State or Iowa or you and I, um, I think I've done a Drake basketball game in the past. It it just takes on special meaning. It's it's fun because these are the programs we grew up with. And to to get to do an Iowa State football game, not only do I get to sleep in my own bed, but you know, there's there's a little pride with it that, you know, it's cool to to do one of your universities in the state. So um I'm glad I'm not doing the game Saturday. That could be a wild one. With, with <laughs> Iowa. I don't know if a couple safeties are gonna get it done or what, but that's good. I'll be watching from North Carolina. Trust me. <laughs> I, between you and me, I think I think this is the year Campbell finally gets Ference and Iowa State finally gets a win in the series. But um, you know, as I say that, it would not shock me at all if the Hawkeyes came out and won by ten. So you know, it's that that's how Ference does it. You know, you think they're for, they're out for dead, and then all of a sudden, when you kind of count them out, those are some of his best years. So. I heard it was atrocious offensively. I have not watched the game or seen any of the film, but don't, is it as don't bad do as it. People? Don't, don't, don't go back bad? and watch it. It was, it was pretty rough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. That's awesome. But, you know, there's just good people in this sport. You know, that, that's the other thing, Cody, that, you know, from covering it, I, wrestlers and coaches of this sport, are probably the most humble athletes and coaches I've met of any sport. I mean, they like working with John Smith at the world championships a few years ago and, and just chatting with him, you would never know just by the, by his demeanor and the way he comes across that he's one of the greatest wrestlers this country has ever sent in an international competition. And that's the norm. You go around the country talking to the Coleman Scots, to all these great, wrestlers and coaches and it's just such a humble group that's what i find really 
refreshing. Um, and, and you see that. And very rarely do you run into the egotistical athlete uh, or the egotistical coach. It, it, for some reason, wrestling has weeded all of that out. And it, it's they're just good humans to deal with. And, and I, I love that part about it. And that's what's neat about the ESPN group with our producers like Nick Rude. He's our main guy now handling wrestling. He notices that and he brings that to the table each and every night with, with the coverage of it. So, yeah, it's just refreshing. I mean, you can you can be overseas and run into a Pat Papalizio or any I, I could just list the names that I just casually met seen at the airport in Kazakhstan. And you just go over and you pick up a conversation and their humility is is off the charts for being elite athletes at one time, whether it still is now for the currents or whether it's from their past. Gosh, that, that humility of the wrestler is awesome. Awesome stuff there from Sean. Really appreciate him making some time for me last week before he left, not just for wrestling, but for football as well. Um, You can find our full story in the show notes. I do encourage you guys to read it. I really did enjoy writing it. Also, obviously, as you heard, we we talked before the Cyhawk game. um, So... Uh, clearly some thoughts there before the football game actually took off. We all know how that ultimately unfolded. But uh, hey, second half of today's show, some additional interviews that I wanted to share with you guys that I did for the story on Sean. I talked to both Jim Gibbons, the former Iowa State wrestler and coach turned wrestling analyst for both Big Ten Network and ESPN, as well as Rock Harrison, another rising star in wrestling media in Sean's right-hand color commentary guy for the ACC Network. Gibbons played an integral role in Sean Kenny actually getting the job at ESPN, which opened the door for most everything else he's been able to do at the mothership. It was awesome hearing him share stories about Sean and just listening to his uh, appreciation for the way Sean goes about his job. Um, I really just asked him one question and he took over with amazing stories and sidebars and just everything. Um, With Rock, I got some great insight just on how Sean has helped him in his own wrestling media career, how they work together on ACC broadcast, and and just kind of what he appreciates most about Sean as a play-by-play guy. Really awesome to finally connect with Rock Harrison. Um, Again, another rising star in wrestling media um, and really just a guy that I thoroughly enjoy listening to when it comes to ACC's Friday night duels. Um, Occasionally he's there with Sean for some big 12 commentary. And then whenever I go back and listen to the NCAA wrestling broadcasts, um, it's been really fun to kind of hear rocks insights there as well. So both of these interviews, very great. Um, I talked to both of them for about 30 minutes each. So I just chopped up the best parts of their interviews and laid them down here for you guys to listen to. We will start with Jim um, and he dives into kind of his side of the story of how Sean got linked up with ESPN, and then we'll go straight to Rock and how they've worked together at the ACC Network. I hope you guys enjoy. We had um, um, this is back, you know, several years ago when I was um, um, we did a few high school football games together. Okay, and uh, I, I was just you know w- watching. Uh, we were living in Perry at the time, and, and uh, I was I would, we did some high school games together for a couple of years, and and um, you know I just know him and enjoy his company. I knew he was really good, and um, and he um, he always reminded me of Pete Taylor, right? The beloved Pete Taylor, right? He reminded me of the beloved Pete Taylor, right? and um, and Pete was the guy I spent a lot of time with. Um, 
I was the spotter for uh, 11 years when uh, for the home football games and some of the away games uh, for him when he and Eric were uh, um, uh, doing, you know, doing broadcasts and, and, um, um, you know, um, he was, his style reminded me of Pete and, um, and I think he would even tell you that, but, um, um, but, um, I guess the, 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 the genesis of this was that from, uh, I got asked to do the quarterfinals of the NCAA wrestling tournament. Okay. So I, uh, and you know, I, I knew that this was going to be for the internet and it's really kind of a funny story because the, um, uh, you know, I go to all the meetings and, and all that stuff. And that I, this was in 2007 in, in Detroit. The last time I was in Detroit and, uh, it's it's pretty cold out in, in Detroit that time of year, um, but this this was seemed to be a little bit abnormally cold. But I asked him. I said, uh, "Okay, uh, they're going to do the, the quarterfinals on the internet for the first time." And this was before ESPN three, ESPN three sixty. You know, this was just the genesis of this. And so um, I asked, "Well, how do you want me to dress?" Like, oh, you know, I'm dressed in. in you know, jeans and a, we'll say a sweatshirt or something like that. So just how you're dressed is fine. All right. So I should have known something was up. And so <laughs> I, 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 I go to the, I go to the, um, um, show up there and they give me an assistant in the morning. So the quarterfinals are on Friday morning and, and, and I get escorted to a, you know, a 40 degree bread truck. All right. With a cardboard table on it and two black and white, two, four black and white monitors, and that was the first uh, uh, broadcast, and um, uh, and I'm sitting there. I can see see my breath, and I'm doing them all by myself. Okay, and I'm normally used to doing the, the color roll, but I, you know, it had uh, um, I it just it was a total freak out because they didn't really give me a lot of instruction about what it was going to be like. And they just said, yeah, it was going to be part of it. Showed up at all the meetings and phone calls and all that, and then. I proceeded to do the matches and I kind of, it was, it was great. Cause I kind of got into a groove and there was a match. I remember really well, the Northwestern kid, I can't remember his, his name. It might, might pop into me, but I, I, I remember, you know, that the guy was behind by, um, one point, excuse me, two points. All right. And he's on his feet and it's like 30 seconds left. And uh, then it's down to like eight seconds left, all right? And I said, well, if he puts his foot in the bucket um, and steps on the line hard with that right leg, um, Tamalo, or I think that's what his name was from Northwestern, will hit that low single, all right? And if he does it quick enough, he'll be able to go ahead and cut. The, the guy had 100, 103 of riding time on him. And if he does it quick enough, he'll be able to go ahead and get on top of him and cut riding time, and he'll win by one point. <laughs> and it was it was the seriously it was absolutely happened okay and i'm i'm, I'm by myself all right jumping up and down all right seeing my breath all right in this 40 degree bread truck with my arms like i had just won the match myself you know <laughs> i was like he did it yeah it's like you know but it took me like you know it took me a while to get into a groove to, to do this but again these are uh maybe six inch seven inch monitors stacked on each other yeah 
And so I have, I'm, I'm looking at that and, and basically sending that out over the, the World Wide Web. And they, they, they said that the, the, uh, the phone lines were, were uh, you know, I, he goes, you're a hero in Bristol. You know, and I go, I go, how, well, how many people, why, that are, they, they never told anybody about it. They, we put it out there on the mat.com and that's back when the message boards were really hot and they were, they were, uh, they, they're, so like they did 12,000, 15,000 hits on this thing. And so I've always known we've been an underserved, uh, um, audience and all that stuff but that was just you know further evidence of it so i but when i first got there it's kind of the funny part of it i'm going i gave up a sweet ticket for this <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> so anyway so the, the so the following year they go well well that really went really well we were really surprised blah 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 you know and i go well i got some suggestions okay and I go, number one, I'd like to be inside. Right? <laughs> number two is that uh, I think I've got a guy that, you know, will, you know, and I, this, by this time I've done the state wrestling turn. I've done this, you know, we did it for the local radio station and helped him out. And, you know, um, uh, I was a financial advisor and I was used to advertise. So they asked me to you know, go ahead and do it. And so I, I worked with, uh, with Sean on that. So, you know, he, uh, he cut his teeth uh, basically doing, um, um, or, or as far as wrestling goes, was with uh, at the state tournament. And, they, you know, they'd get advertising with all the local kids and all that stuff, local kids and, in the area. And, and we'd go do it. And, and uh, that was really, you know, um, you know, if you can do that you, with four or five matches going on in area kids, you can do anything in the sport. And, um, you know, he said, so he, so we did that together. And so I, I knew he'd do. So I told him, I said, listen, I got a guy, right? And, you know, um, you know, he, if, if you are, are interested, you know, that, that he would, he's done wrestling with me, but, oh yeah, sure. And I told Sean, I go, Hey, I don't know anything about it, but you're a young announcer and all that stuff. And it's just, you can put a ESP on your, and like your resume, that's going to be a good deal. Right. He goes, yeah, sure. Let's do, let's do it. And so he stayed on my brother's couch at nationals right? <laughs> and, and, and got down there. And, uh, so he stayed on my, I got, him, I got him a place on my, on my brother's couch. And then that, uh, all of a sudden, uh, my brother, Tim, and, uh, he stayed on Tim's couch and then we did the quarters together uh, the next year. And then, uh, I really think that, you know, I don't want to take too much credit for this but the fact that we you know we we, we developed a um you know there, there's a following there that kept on getting larger and larger and pretty soon you're, you know we're we're doing every uh we're doing all of uh thursday and then we're doing all of uh, uh, uh friday up until the, the quarterfinals so we were working a good day and a half um on uh, thursday and friday uh doing that on the internet and uh there, you know there's still some um there, there's still some, you know, I was, I was to the sidebar here again, which is the sidebar of my life. But the, uh, uh, I remember I, I was doing David Taylor's match. All right. With, um, in the quarterfinals. And I said, you know, I haven't really had a chance to, to watch him all that much. And this was, um, you know, a, a little bit, but I, I just don't like the way he finishes his single legs. You know, he steps up with the inside leg, and I go, you can get cradled with that. You know? <laughs> and, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm having um, uh, uh, 
dinner with uh, one of my guys that wrestled for me that lived out in Ohio when I was out there doing Ohio State, Penn State meet out there. And he reminded me of that, that he says, yeah, you're the one that called how he's going to get pinned. I go, I mean, you were wa- you were watching that? Oh, oh yeah, I got on the internet. I went, watch all, all, watch all you. Do. So then, then they, then they went to. Um, so Sean and I did that for I don't know how many years, and then they went to an announcer on every mat. Okay, and ironically, uh, that's how I met Shane. Okay, and uh, um, Shane's got a, a story about you know. Um, it, me uh, uh, meeting him and, 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 and all that stuff and, and uh, I, that's how I got him on the Big Ten Network was, was uh, you know it's always I've got a guy you know um, he got you know so that's the uh, but, but Sean had been doing the uh, um, you know he just did the quarters that day and then they kept us on to do the uh, uh, the consolations on the uh, and I think they went off the air and then we kept on we did the consolations and for a while there, I mean, we did some really nice work uh, together. Uh, and I believe that's why you saw, you know, up until COVID, where you saw as many, uh, as much uh, wrestling as you did in the early rounds, just because of the successes that we had, uh, you know, with with the exploding uh, coverage on the Internet. And, and you know, I, I, I did it the first time, and then Sean did it with me ever since. So he, from 2008 on, he's been part of the, the broadcast. And so... We were out to eat late one night with producers, Stoss Hall, and um, and I said, you know, Stoss, right? This isn't the only thing that Sean does. He does baseball, he does football, he does basketball. He goes, yep, we know, right? So we, um, and because and, and, I've I've always tried to encourage Sean to get because I think he's he's as good as you know as anybody that does it, and um, um, and the one thing that you'll uh, get from him is is dogged. Uh, preparation. I mean, dogged, right? And I'll give you an example of that. Um, Kyle Connell, right? Yeah. Um, right. If you listen to the play by play on the Kyle Connell eps- upset of uh, number one seed, um, um, oh, gosh, he's the Ohio State kid that, um, in 97, Colin Moore, right? Yeah. So, that upset. Okay, so Kyle Connell is the is is the first guy to beat uh, a number one seed twice in the same tournament, uh, and since uh, Gary McCall from Iowa State, who I coach, was the first guy to do it. Right, unseeded and beat the number. Normally, the unseeded guys or the lower seeded guys beat the, uh, uh, the the top seeds, and then they, you know, the, the top seed comes back and rolls them in the second time. Right. Well, Gary did it. Gary beat the guy twice. Okay, and um, this would have been in I think I think 1991. And Gary did it twice, and the first guy ever to do that since then was Kyle Connell. Right. Well, Sean does the research on all 330 guys okay? <laughs> for this reason. And he, he has a he has a card on him, and, and the time he takes to do this, it's, it's amazing. It's the way he prepares for a football game, where he prepares, prepares for everything else. He's meticulous. And and uh, so I've witnessed this firsthand, and, and, and the uh, uh, the Kyle Connell match, it was so fantastic because you know they they uh, Kyle beats Colin Moore, right? And Sean goes into this diet. So who thinks the number one seed is going to get beat by the unseated guy? Yeah, right. right? That's one you just toss out, and you go, oh, that's great that it happened. Oh, it's really surprised everybody. 
but he knew the guy's story. All right. He, he, he says he almost thought about quitting, blah, blah, blah. Did he have his act together? He decided to come back and give him, he went through the whole uh, diatribe. Gives me goosebumps just talking about it. And then you see that guy getting interviewed by Clint Kesnick. Okay. So Clint's listening to all this stuff on the IFB. Right. And so he's asking intelligent questions. Okay. But it all happened because of Sean Kenny's research. Right. One of the more fantastic interviews that that uh, you know Q has ever probably done in the sport right was right there and and there you got the play-by-play guy who did all the research feeding it to him over the IFB by the time they get him they get that guy corralled and all that stuff and they had that great picture of him and his eyes going you know it, it's just uh, like I said it gives me goosebumps thinking about it you know and um, um, but that's the type of he's prepared for the big moments he prepares for the big moments and that's and that's by, by doing all the obscure things so you know uh, you know of course um you know i i, I don't I'm, i've just got examples of just how uh, good he is and, and and he is obviously good enough to be in in that uh, uh air of um of you know he's done you know basketball games now for espn he's done you know a lot of football stuff and it was really rewarding the other last year we got Shane uh, in there, and um, um, and uh, they did a both uh, Sean and Shane did a, a football game um, last year, and uh, really one of the more rewarding things that happened to me. I get a text uh, that night after they did their game, and they're both having a cocktail together, and they're you know you know uh, they wanted to let me know. You know? <laughs> it was pretty cool. That's really so, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like I said, it's just one of those things that that um, um, uh, I'm a big fan, and uh, he's a great man and a great nice man. And, and uh, like I said, you know, Pete Taylor was that kind of guy too. He was just awesome. He just he just a uh, he's just a modern version of Pete, and um, um, and he's just uh, everybody you know thinks of him as professional. You know, like uh, you know, John Smith has worked with him, and you know, kind of John. John will tell you the same thing. I mean, just a great guy to work with. And it's not about, it's never about him, but he's just dogged on his preparation. And he, 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 he prepares for the big moments. And, and that Kyle Connell example, because nobody, nobody knows who that dude is, right? <laughs> nobody knows who that dude is up until that moment. Who is that guy? And you go back and look at that footage, which you can probably pull up on YouTube, right? Uh, Sean is going through the dude's whole story and, and cues on his IFB listening to all that as they got him corralled. Okay. And, you know, ask them the right questions. Hey, you're about ready to give up. You know, uh, you know, what made you to come, you know, and there's just timely stuff like that that just made the moment magical. And, um, um, and I don't think, uh, I, I don't think she's, I'm sure the people in the state of Iowa don't even, don't, don't, doesn't even, they don't even know, um, how, how good he is, and why he hasn't. Uh, uh, and I, I nominate him every year for the wrestling broadcaster of the year, right? Because it, it, because he's so deserving. He's done a lot for our sport, and um, you know, and and, and um, just like uh, Adam Amin, who did it for five years in the finals, then he goes on and, and has his uh, career rocking and rolling. But you know, these are all really good guys that love our sport. Yep, we started off doing the ACC stuff online. 
So before the ACC Network, we were doing it uh, ACC Championships, uh, just straight up and down, uh, online, ESPN3. And that's where we started. So we started, I want to say, yeah, nine years ago at Pittsburgh in uh, 2015. I think it's 2015. So no, not quite nine years. I mean, it's 2015. Um, is the first year that we started to work together, and that was my first introduction to uh, Sean. And he's, um, uh, as many people know, oh no, I can't say that because no one really knows him, they just know him as a play by play. But he's low maintenance, low maintenance, and uh, he's one of the uh, the few um, play by play people that actually understand the sport and truly like, like the sport, like truly enjoys wrestling. Some people kind of like this, like, hey, you know, something to. To do, I understand it's cool, but this guy likes it. Point being, he liked Greco, which is... <laughs> <laughs> so, if you like Greco, you really, really, really like wrestling. And we'll talk on the phone, and he, he has his favorites, and certain people that are obscure people. We're not talking about the famous names. The obscure wrestlers. He's like, uh, this guy named Greg Harvey from Pitt. Yeah, he's solid, but not a world-breaker. But Sean absolutely loved the guy because he just watches wrestling. So we we uh, got together in, um, in uh, again, it was Pittsburgh. And I'll get the date for you, but I believe it was 2015. I might have been 14. And uh, it was my first time uh, being on a broadcast. And the best advice he gave me was, Rock, everybody wants to be Dick Vitale. Just be yourself. Just, just, just be yourself. Everybody wants to yell and ooh and ah. Just be yourself because people can tell who a fraud is. And so that was my first uh, advice from someone. And that's what I've tried to uh, keep in my style of uh, being um, authentic and trying to get better. But it was Sean that told me, you know, be, be yourself. Be yourself because people can read through you. So. Uh, so it hasn't been the past three years that we worked together. So we worked together for, like I said, uh, again, I think nine years. That's awesome, man. Okay, so I so I didn't realize that. Um, oh, yeah. Which, yep. which is like it's it's really cool to kind of you know like you're a wrestling fan. I'm a wrestling fan. Like when you have somebody who's in that position, right? Where you know, obviously the 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 analyst is always going to know the ins and outs of wrestling like you do a really good job of breaking stuff down and you know hey what are officials looking for on replays and and stuff like that but um to have the play-by-play guy like equally as interested in the sport and knowledgeable of the sport like that's that's awesome right like especially for someone in your position who works alongside him on those broadcasts yep and i've worked with other uh analysts that uh one guy was he yeah he was just terrible i mean just terrible just just awful and you know you just have to pull away but sean uh enjoys the sport uh, but I think what makes him uh, such a very uh, strong play-by-play uh, play is that he's unassuming. He knows his role, and he's made it abundantly clear. He's just here to set up the table and get out the way. And he doesn't say that. He does that. He, he just wants to set it up and get out the way for the analyst to go and dive in and explain all the nuances. But to your point, he knows the rules. You know, he, he knows... He knows the rules as well as any other fan. Now, you know, some things that might be a little more uh, detail, you know, he'll lean on me. But for the most part, he, he uh, there was a time where that, uh, the ACC kind of screwed up on the, um, it was a tied match. And, you know, they had something that was just wrong. And Sean was like, I don't think that's right. Who really knows, like, the criteria for, you know, a tiebreaker? But Sean had an idea that you know, number two was not number two. 
the point is is that he just doesn't just set it up for the analyst he actually gets it and knows what to look forward to and when to get out of the way and when the moment should breathe and that's when something happens not to talk over it but you know allow it to be so if there's ever an analyst that wants to work with somebody sean is the guy you want to learn from because you work with him you can pretty much uh work with anybody Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because he basically told me the exact same thing. Like he prides himself on, you know, being low maintenance on, you know, being able to tee things up for, you know, you to be able to dive into more of the nitty gritty wrestling stuff. Um, you know, like wrestling fans don't tune in to, to listen specifically to Sean Kenny. They tune in to listen to like Rock Harrison, right? And watch the action. Um, they tune in to learn stuff and he does his best to educate and to tell stories, but also, you know, to you know, be able to step aside and let you do your thing. And I, like, I think that that's super cool. Um, you know, cause not a lot of play by play guys are super conscious of that. Right. No, no, no. He's, he, I don't think he's just conscious. Of it. I think that's just his demeanor, you know? So I, I can't say it's something he worked on. Uh, I'm, he's worked on a lot. And I, I play back myself when listening to myself, but Sean does the same thing as well. You know, he's a pretty critical, he should have, I should have told you. I should have known better. Golly darn! You know he, he'll he'll uh, he won't curse. Well, he has to curse around me at least, and uh, he'll get frustrated because he did not do what he thinks he should do. Uh, but uh, to the point, he is extremely low me. I mean, when you say meat and potatoes, when we go out to eat, eat you know French fries, you know potatoes. <laughs> potatoes like, that's the stuff that he does because he's so low maintenance. You won't have him getting wine or getting these appetizers and desserts, give him some french fries and some mashed potatoes, he's good to go. I love that. I love that. What has been the most uh, memorable part of working alongside him, or what, what do you most look forward to when you know it's you know you and Sean on a Friday night duel or getting ready for the ACC championships? Oh, I mean, the fun part is when we start to, uh, <laughs> we can't do it here, but talking about what match is going to go which way. Who's going to show up? Who's going to show up? Who's not going to show up? You know? You know? Or we'll had our um, meetings prior to um, the match, and we are on the phone with the coaches, and we'll, we'll get our notes. Like he was, he was bluffing. You know, he had, uh, I don't know. He's, he hasn't been forthright. So we like to go forward and play our notes. But you know, we 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 have matches that we look forward to, and where we think it's going to boil down, and what it starts off. So that's the fun part. You know, we'll go out to dinner before, you know, and. We believe in practicing, practicing, practicing. It's not like, hey, let's just wing it. But uh, we are similar in wanting to uh, do it over and over again. The producer, you want to do it again? Absolutely, let's do it again. Let's, let's, let's do it again. And, um, again, he's not a person that says, all right, we're good enough. All right, you want to do it again? Let's do it again. And uh, I think what I look forward to the most is certainly um, is is the times to talk before, but right, right before the match, he's uh, worked me long enough to <laughs> – to, to, to know when to hand it off and knows when, when I want to speak. And sometimes I, he jokes that I grab him too much. You know, just <laughs> And uh, he'll, uh, you know, do tongue-in-cheek things about that during a broadcast, but never a point to, to be condescending. But it's just, you know, lighthearted humor. And, he, again, he knows my personality. It's not a big deal. But uh, the fact of the matter is that he understands it. He, he knows and he knows the... the uh, intelligent questions to ask for the, the, the smart wrestling fan and for those that are you know new to the sport and that's one of the things that that we try to do 
is we're not going to go to sport just talking to the the people like you that just know the nuances of everything. We grew up by talking to people that have no idea what a single leg is versus a headlock, you know. But if you get those, that's how you go to sport. And Sean has a very strong understanding on what to explain, when to repeat himself, and not really to get too worried about you know the the true hardcore fan that will watch. Uh, a match at Bucharest at four o'clock in the morning. We're talking about if people just happen to stumble across it. He has a nick uh, of just knowing who to reach out to, when to talk to, and again, his, his voice is pretty smooth. Awesome, awesome stuff, both from Jim Gibbons and Rock Harrison. Uh, really appreciated them. Uh, just talking to me about Sean and really just kind of taking the time to share some stories and some insight about what makes Sean Kenny one of wrestling's top play-by-play announcers. Uh, really appreciate you guys tuning in today. A lot longer show than what we had last week, but this is all I've got today. Uh, appreciate y'all listening. Be sure to rate and review the show on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Follow your boy on Twitter at Cody Goodwin as well as Instagram, Cody J. Goodwin. And of course, be sure to subscribe to catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos online at DesMoinesRegister.com. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.